You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Nat, brought to you by OTS. I am your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And Dub Nation, wow, we're in for like a really good episode today. As you can see, a man who needs no introduction, I have Bonte Hill with me, who is a host for 90, um, 97.5 The Game, also NBC Sports Bay Area. You can catch him everywhere. You can catch him on Twitter. Um, he's the man. I'm just humbled <laughs> to be in your presence <laughs> and to have you on the show. So, Avante, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and chop it up with me. Uh, anytime. Hey, you got your own sponsorship, OTS. I mean, I, I don't need an introduction. You don't need an introduction. You got sponsorships already rolling around. I'm being like you. I mean, I'm doing something wrong in my world. Oh, please. But, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning from the greats like you and Marcus Thompson. So, nothing about me is great. I'm just a fool who loves sports, man. But, uh, I appreciate the compliment. Um, yeah, so thank you for being on. We were actually going to record before um, because we thought we were going to have a weekend off last weekend because we thought the Timberwolves would push the Grizzlies to seven, but they couldn't do their job. And really by their job, we just wanted it to go longer so our lives would be easier, right? You wanted the weekend off. Man. I wanted a little extra time. That didn't happen. And so the series started. and. The Warriors pulled out a tough game one. They didn't play their best. Draymond got kicked out of the game. There were some shenanigans, whatever. But the Warriors won by one point after Clay missed some free throws. That was shocking to all of us. Right. Um, and they won with with in the final defensive possessions being won a stop by Steph and then Clay because I don't think they're really giving Clay a credit for that block on Jaw at the end, but he did get his hand on the ball. Did you did you notice that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought GP two may have something on there as well. I mean, first of all, it was a great great defensive play by Clay Thompson and recognize that Jaw had gotten by Gary Payton second. I'm not sure why Gary Payton II was put in position to press jaw like that. I would have maybe played off of him a little bit. But what the hell do I know? I'm not a coach. I don't, you know, I don't get paid to make those decisions. But Clay Thompson get, switching off of Brandon Clark right away to realize that, uh-oh, Jaw's got a free lane to go to his left. 
and he just gets right in front of him. I'm not sure if he got a piece of the ball or not, but it was a great defensive play. And it more than made up for the two missed free throws because we would have forgotten about the go-ahead three that he did make to give the Warriors the yeah. 116 lead. So right now I think Dub Nation's been like, man, the Warriors should be up 2-0. 2-0 after the mm-hmm. way those first two games went out. But game one was riveting. And to your point, Patrick Beverly, who likes to tweet about people not dropping 47 on his team, well, his team is out there in Tulum. Exactly. Like, what was the point of those tweets? (laughs) Especially when you blew two 20-point leads in game number three, you blew a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter to swing game in game five, and you blew another double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, late in the third, early fourth in game six. So I don't know why Pat Bev is tweeting. He wants attention right now. He's watching basketball. So whatever. Jock can do what he does. And yet Memphis is still eking by by winning that one game too. So uh, I think Dub Nation got to feel good about where they're at right now. For sure. You know what he sounds like? Do you remember like that story about that game apparently in college that Steph played at Davidson where that coach just wanted to like stop him? So like they still lost, but he's just like, but we stopped Steph. It's like, okay, (laughs) you get points for stopping Ja or winning the series, Pat Bev. Like what, you know? Um yeah, no, you know, I did actually see like someone did like a photo and did like a zoom in of Clay on that final possession, and he actually did get his hands on the ball. So wow. I thought he just like wow. altered the shot, but he did enough to like, you know, either way, we won that game. And then game two comes, and everyone is kind of like amped up. We know it's going to be a super physical game. Memphis doesn't want to go down 0 2, right? So we're expecting intensity from both sides, and like, within the first minute, like, or whatever it was, um, Dylan Brooks commits this ridiculous flagrant foul two is what it ended up being called on um, GP2, Gary Payton II, and basically has probably cost him his postseason. We don't know for sure, but it seems more likely than not. Um, Fractured elbow, and um, he's now suspended for game three, but like, that happens. Dubs lose that game. Um, they shouldn't have lost that game for our, maybe they should have. If you think about how they played, Steph had five turnovers. I think Dre had four. They shot abysmally, like from three. It was so bad. I don't even remember the percentage, but Andrew couldn't hit a three. Um, Clay couldn't hit anything. Steph couldn't. Poole couldn't. At least Steph and Poole were getting to the rim, though. But I thought Jordan looked, seemed a little dis- indecisive in that game. Did you see that, or was that just me? Yeah, you know, something. two things about Jordan Poole. We'll get to the flagrant foul, too, uh, the flagrant, two by Dylan Brooks. But Jordan, even in the first game, his first couple possessions, he looked a little skittish, a little discombobulated. And next thing you know, he drops 31-9-8. He settles down. I thought he got in trouble in game two, even though he was 8-for-16 from the floor, but 1-6 from the three-point line, as you cited, he just, I think he got caught up in what he did, what he did earlier this season, where he's just dribbling a little too much. Yeah. Dribble, 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 dribble. The Warriors wanted to be decisive. One, two, three. Okay, if it's not there, swing it. Uh, I think Jordan Poole got caught up in the moment a little bit where he did get a little skittish offensively. And defensively, I thought that hurt him because obviously he was kind of on skates when he got switched on to John Morant and switched on the other. So even though he dropped 20, it was a very quiet 20 yeah. for Jordan Poole. And the misses, as you said, 7-38 to 38 from the three-point line in game number two. One of the worst 
postseason performances from three in Warriors history. You yeah. got to go back to 1991, Nat. 1991, <laughs> we were young when the Warriors shot three and 17 in a yeah. playoff game against the LA Lakers. And I have my man Chris Mullen on the team. Look, they shot poorly, but I would live with the looks. Apparently, they were like 0 and 19, 0 for 19 right. for wide open looks from three. All right, 0 and 19. So they're going to make more shots. Clay's not going to go Absolutely. too well. Steph's not going three, four, 11. Jordan Poole's not going one for six. And Wiggins is not bricking there from three. So look, seven to 38 from the three point line. And yet it still had a chance to win that game. It took a heroic effort by John Morant scoring the Grizzlies last 15 points. You live with it because he made some tough, tough shots. I think the Warriors are defending well. It's a game they should have won. It's a game they should have won. But they pulled, you talked about the turnovers, right? Steph Curry had like three turnovers in a two-minute span yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, It was choppy for the Dubs. They were brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. So, look, like you said, Memphis had to win that game. They don't win that game. We may not get a game five in Memphis. You know right. what I'm saying? They're right. going down 0-2, coming to Chase Center, where the Warriors shoot a lot better, where they had the second-best record at home in the NBA. It may have been curtain for the Memphis Grizzlies, but now we have a series. Now we have a series because, one, Dylan Brooks – who's actually been hurting the Memphis Grizzlies. Actually, yes. You know, game this is one, actually probably beneficial for them that he won't Right, exactly. Game one, when they didn't return, they didn't overturn a, a block call on Stephen Curry, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want Dylan Brooks to foul up. I want him <laughs> in this basketball game because he's chucking it up like he's at the CYO on fire. He was terrible in that game, and he was terrible in the first three minutes of game number two. And so when you think about that foul and him being suspended for game three, one, I thought he should have been suspended for more. But I get it. The NBA is going to do that. They suspended Grayson Allen for one game despite Caruso. Well, that should have been more, too. Which is a joke. It's a joke because it changed the bowl season. They went from a top three seed in the East to a sixth seed in the East and getting bounced in five by the Milwaukee Bucks. Gary Payton II may not play again. He may not ever get a chance to play in the postseason again. We don't know what his future is. We don't know if he's going to be a warrior. Think about his game five in the fourth quarter. Spectacular, right? 10 points in the fourth quarter, 15 overall. Lockdown defense, picking up full court. Game one, same thing. Lockdown defense on Ja. I found this out today, Nat, that John Morant was shooting shooting 16% against Gary Payton II. 16% against GP2. So Dylan Brooks, what he did was shameful. It's one of the most disgusting acts I've seen in the playoff in my lifetime of watching yes. basketball. Yes, yes. I don't know what happened before me. I've seen clips. But in my lifetime, and what I've watched with my own two eyes, Dylan Brooks was shameful for that. It was a dirty play. Did I think he intended to hurt GP2? I have no idea, but he wanted to send a message, and he sent the message, and he ended his season. It was shameful. It was disgusting, and it kind of changed the game because the Warriors, as you saw, were scrambling to try to find defenders for John Moran. Right. So that's something they got to focus on moving forward. I really – I feel just awful for Gary Payton, you know, because, like, this was his time, and – um I really have been very uncomfortable with like some of the stuff I'm seeing coming out of Memphis, like from the media, from their fan base on Twitter, Gary Payton should know how to fall properly. Um, you know, they're trying to blame Steve Kerr for like why the league suspended him. Like, are y'all serious right now? They're trying to make comparisons with Dre and Zaza. And I'm just like, this is like utterly ridiculous. Um, so it's pretty disappointing and I get it. You want to stick up for your team, but like, 
even his own teammate admitted that it was a bit excessive. So it's just like, what are y'all doing right now? You sound crazy. So um, I just feel really, really, you know, awful for him. I do. And um, I know there's like a slim light of hope. Like if the Warriors go the full distance that maybe he could return in the finals. I don't want it to be at the risk though of like his future or anything. So I just hope they do what's best for him and he does what's best for him. But if there's a chance of him coming back this postseason, I would love to, you know, love for him to get that opportunity. Um, Matt, he's going to be needed. They're going to miss Gary Payton. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is the most crucial series that we would need him in based on like who's left to play. But like, he's definitely just like, it's crazy because he's so small and he's like one of our best lob threats, you know, he might be the best lob threat we have. But like Kaminga wasn't playing as many minutes as him. So no doubt. Now in that dunker spot that he plays in, where you could kick it down to him and he gets the easy layup or the dunk. And the, the best thing about Gary Payton Seconds uh evolution was that three ball was starting to fall. Yes. Three ball was a reliable corner, corner three point shooter. We know about the game five three to make it 94-90 or 99-94 against Denver in game number five, but he was starting to hit the three. He was starting to make plays, smart passes. So he was starting to round into form as a nice all-around player, a nice role player that you need on the championship team. So yeah, they're going to miss him against John Morant. It's a series-changing injury, but if the players can handle business at home and go back to Memphis up 3-1, then they can survive, breathe easy, deal with the Phoenix Suns, who I think is going to get past Dallas uh, in the conference finals. And hopefully GP2 can come back either at the end of the conference finals or the NBA finals, but just a tough, tough blow. And look, the crime doesn't fit the punishment. We all know that. We all know that. Dylan Brooks is lucky to get one game lucky to get one game for what he did that's a move Nat. that if you saw that on the playground oh it'd be a fight it would be a fight beat up you know i had xavier mcdaniel on my radio show earlier this week and he was talking about look man we played the pistons and they knocked my teammate Derek mckee on his ass he told Derek to get up and he said if anything happened to this dude again i'm gonna I'm going to break somebody's jaw. Now, he added some explicit to it <laughs> on radio. He was about that life. He exactly. Was so, with all that said, I don't want anybody to retaliate. Just win the games. That's the best retaliation. I Is want them bouncing? to win the games by domination, no. though. I don't yeah, want any domination. more of this close shit because, <laughs> I, like, quite frankly, with all due respect, actually, with all disrespect, I feel like the Warriors have allowed this team to even think they're on our level. And they're not. Like, you know, the, the Grizzlies are a nice young story. They're upcoming, they're gritty, all of that stuff. And John Morant is incredibly talented, but like we have Stephen Curry, we have Clay Thompson, you know, um, um, the rise of, 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 um, pool. And then we have Draymond Green, who would have probably been the defensive player of the year, but for his injury, you know, like this team just has not even played close to their level and these games have been close or they're eking out wins. So I just want them to play to their level because I feel like it's not even going to be close. Bain hasn't been able to get going in this series. You that know, is a concern for Bain. He's not it moving is. around right And now. then you're out there having to chase those light-skinned dudes around. That ain't easy work. You know what I'm saying? That's not easy work, Fonte. So, no, you know, he, Look, he hasn't gotten going. I never expected JJJ to shoot like that again after game one. Um he also is going to just always be in foul trouble. That's something that's not going away. It seems. 
So, you know, they were able to relatively keep the other players in check. And, you know, I actually am aligned with that strategy as well. I mean, I think maybe you can try to give Ja a little bit more resistance, but, you know, you've dared him to shoot. He's now done two games of doing that. But I get it. Like, if, if they have to win by Ja scoring 47 and barely win, then I, I like our chances. Yeah, you know what? And they'll blitz Ja a little bit. They'll show him a few more doubles. And they'll make somebody else beat him. Look, they always say role players play better at home. So you look at Jair Williams, a rookie out of Stanford, who had four threes for the Memphis Grizzlies, including those two early threes in the fourth quarter. I thought that was huge for Memphis, getting those 14 points. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., as you mentioned, he will get himself in foul trouble. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. He's going to hack. He's going to do something. This team is hacks. All right. You look at the two minute report. They got away with a loose ball foul. They got away with the carry. John Moran has been special, but make it a little tougher on him. Try to force him right a little bit more. I know it's easier said than done because he's so skill set. He's so skillful, excuse me, that I don't want to take that away from him. I don't want to take that away from John. He's a special, special talent, but Bain doesn't look right. All right. Zaire Williams, I don't think he has another game like that in him. Jaron Jackson, as you mentioned, he's not dropping 33 of the Golden State Warriors again. Right. Anthony Melton, I'm not sure he's going to have that type of impact against the Warriors. I'm definitely not worried about Kyle Anderson, Mr. Slow-Mo. That got him locked up. So, look, all the it comes down to this, Nat. All the coaching, throw it all out the window, everything. It comes down to the Warriors making shots. They it does. On offense that they didn't do in the fourth quarter against Memphis, they win this series. Clay's not going to shoot 21% like he has in the last three games from the three-point line. Steph's not going 3-4-11. They will get this thing rolling, and that's why Dub Nation tomorrow night at Chase Center, they got to get fucking rolling. They got to get loud. I need them making the this, noise. These next two games are the biggest game for Chase Center until hopefully they get to the conference finals. And then we'll be talking about those games being the biggest games ever at Chase Center. But they got to be loud, and they got to make Memphis feel it. Absolutely. I mean, there's like at least a number of things you can point to that happen in game two where you're like, if they do this differently, they win. If they even shoot like a quarter of what they normally shoot, half, they win the game. If they don't turn over the ball that excessively, because even though this team can be turnover prone, Steph is not usually going to have five turnovers. He's not going to, right? So if they just don't do that, they, they win this game, right? There's just like so many things that you can point to that like, if this was just different. So I, I feel good going into game three. I do, um, especially with the, now Memphis was one of the teams that beat them earlier in the season at home, but then that was also a, a, a game where we got up really big and then, you know, got too comfortable and just let it go. But it yeah. also was a game where we didn't, Clay didn't play in that game. Jordan Poole wasn't playing this way then. So it's just like a completely different team. So um, I expect them to go in there and handle business. I really don't. I like, we need a couple of like those Denver games um, where we blew them out. And I, I'm not saying that just cause like, I need it. Like, right. to, like I, I need it because I think the Warriors need to remind people of who they are, like who they are and what they can be and the dominant team that they are and just kind of send a message because no, right yeah, now, yeah. because it's hang- yeah. because it's close and the Grizzlies are hanging with us. I know the Grizzlies are never going to back down. That's just who they are. But it's also giving them the confidence to believe, like, we can hang with this team. Well, and I want to take their take their hope. Nat, the confidence came from last year. It stems from last season. Right. Last week of the season with the Warriors needed, like, 46 from Steph 
to beat them on a Sunday to play the Lakers in a playing game. And then, of course, the Grizzlies going to overtime at Chase Center and winning that playing game uh, at Chase Center. So I know there was no not many fans. I think it was like 8,000 people at the game, but it wasn't the full. Yeah, we were very certainly lacking in, no, in it was, talent on it the was floor. A flaw roster. I don't but they're going to ignore that. Right. They're going to no, remember no, no, no. that no, they beat nobody, the Warriors. Very flawed roster. Jordan Poole was finishing in those lineups. Wiggins was shot. Kev uh, Bazemore was on the squad. Michael yeah, Mulder I mean, was a key rotation piece. Like the, the Warriors match up with this team, and they've done things well in the series in terms of rebounding. Yeah. Rebounded the Grizzlies in both games. The offensive rebounds, advantage Warriors. Points in the paint, advantage Warriors. Second chance points, especially in game two, advantage Warriors. So they're winning all the other categories. They're just losing. They're minus 27 for a three-point line. I did not foresee that happening in this no. series. So we'll see if they can cut into that uh, that gap there and not, you know, hopefully after game three, they're minus nine from the three-point line, which means they'll be a plus 18 in game three from the three-point line. So they just got to shoot the ball better. Make shots. <laughs> That's simply it. What do you think the about the fact that Steven Adams may return? Because I don't think that benefits the Grizzlies either, no, but their fan you. base seems to be talking like it will. And I'm well, like, yeah, you might get some better screens for Ja, and right. you might get someone to grab some more boards. But that's food for Steph and and pool. Like if you yeah, put Stephen Adams out there, it's barbecue chicken. It's high screen. <laughs> get him involved and get him on a three point line and let's play him out the game. And I think that's what Steve Kerr and coaching staff will do. Look, you got to hunt Ja. If Ja's going to kill you offensively, go at him defensively. Go back at him because Jordan could just go at at Ja. Ja got defense. nothing for Jordan. Yeah, no, his defense is lacking. John Morant, they want to talk John about- John actually has nothing for anybody. How yeah, about no, that? John's defense is terrible. John's <laughs> defense is terrible. The Grizzlies are terrible defensively because they lose Steph and Clay. How many wide open threes they've had? Right, so that's what I think is John. funny. The story that's trying to come out, like they held us to that scoring. No, 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 no. Those guys were getting a lot of wide open shots. And like in game one in particular, you could see like they were going out of their way to hide Ja so he would not be on Steph and so he would not have to guard him. And I'm just like, this is, come on. Like y'all have to, because it reminded me of like the Denver series when they weren't taking advantage of the mismatch they had with Boogie. Like I get it. He's going to like come on, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do on the offense. But like Boogie can't stop y'all. And sometimes I get a little frustrated when this team doesn't, take advantage of their their mismatches so you think we'll, we'll see some more of that in this next game I do think we'll see that you know this series are all about adjustments right we've had two games uh the Warriors did their job in splitting those two games that's what you want as a road team when you don't have home right. court advantage you split those first two games knowing that man could have been up 2-0 you get let a game get away but now Memphis is probably thinking the same thing that they let a game get away so we're 1-1 now it's right. all one one. It's all level. And so I think Steve Kerr will make that adjustment with Steven Adams. Remember, he was unplayable against Minnesota. Right. And they had Carl Anthony Towns. They had Nas Reed. They had bigger bodies on that Minnesota T-Wolf squad. And yet Steven Adams couldn't play. They pulled him out of the starting lineup. So I don't fear Steven Adams yet. He may set screens. I think he's he's the one player. He leads the Memphis Grizzlies in terms of assists to job points, paints, or yeah. whatnot. Whatever. I, I'll live with that. Get him in all the high ball screens with Ja and Steven Adams, and they will get cooked. They will get cooked Saturday night. So I don't worry about Steven Adams. Don't worry about Dylan Brooks. Desmond Bain has a lower back, back sore. This make sure he stays hurt. 
You don't want to get Desmond Bain going. <laughs> you want to make sure you limit his touches. I still will be weary of him because he will get hot with the best of them. I'm not going to knock Desmond Bain at all. He could shoot it, flat out shoot it. So you want to make sure that he stays under wraps and get Clay some easy shots. You know, put Clay in a situation to where he's not forcing bad shots. Now, some of it's on Clay trying to be Kobe from the baseline fadeaway. It's all good. I was going to ask what you thought about his shot selection. It was a little rough. It was rough. But, you know, Clay does that sometimes. And he was just trying to do too much. Trying to do too much to try to get his team out of a funk and try to bring it upon himself. He's had three days off to clear his mind, to get some shots up in the gym. I expect Clay to erupt Saturday night at Chaser. I really do. He's he's a, He can shoot it with the best one. We are, you already know that, Nat. So he's not going to shoot 21% from three like he has the last three games. That percentage will go up. Stephen Curry, even though he shot three of 11 from the three-point line, he will be better from three in the series moving forward because he's getting great looks. So just continue to cut down on the turnovers, rebound with the Memphis Grizzlies, and you should be able to outlast them. Because let's be honest, Nat, Memphis. I want to outlast them. I want to beat them. I want to beat them, Bonte. I don't like this talk. Beat them. Dominate. You win by one or two, I don't care. You're up 2-1. <laughs> you. You're up 2-1. But now you know I what? want to send the message. I no, want to send I, the message. I hear you. I hear I you. Do. The, the biggest thing to me is getting that W, scoring more than them. I don't care what it is, 99-98, to 90 you know, 197. I do I not hear care. You. Win that game because you can move on here, and now all of a sudden Memphis is saying, oh, boy, we're down 2-1. We're in game four. Oh, boy, what's going to happen here? And we have the distraction with Dylan Brooks. So. I think uh, I think the Warriors are in a good spot here. But again, keep rebounding with them. Don't turn the ball over. Continue to play solid transition defense. Josh's not going to shoot like that the rest of the series, although he is a special player. Make it hard for him. If he wants to be a volume scorer, I'm all good for that. Go be a volume scorer. <laughs> but shut everybody else down and they should be fine. So I want to ask you, um, so we're, we're de- Andre won't be back. He's going to be evaluated in another week. GP2 is gone. So we're down to eight rotation players now, if you count Kaminga, and I do count him, right? So first, let's talk about Kaminga. And then I want to get to who you may think, because Kerr's just not the kind of coach who, like most rotations are eight to nine deep in the playoffs, but just knowing Kerr, he's probably going to want to tap into someone else. So I want to get to that too. But first, what do you think this is going to mean now for Jonathan Kaminga? Because I think he's going to get more minutes and I think he needs to get more minutes. Um, He's been good. I think obviously he's still a rookie and you have to be careful, like where you're playing him. But I, I think that he needs to see more time. So what are your thoughts on, on Kaminga? I'm good with Kaminga seeing about 10 to 15 minutes per game. You know, you, you see some of the games in Denver where he scores nine and an 11 minute burst. This guy does not care that it's the playoffs. No. All right. This kid is a 19-year-old, has some of the most... I wish I had confidence like them at 19 years old. The guy has swagger. He probably in his own head thinks he's better than Steph. You know what I'm saying? That's how confident right. he is. Yeah. Unbelievable in that aspect. And you see him in game two, getting run, getting some easy dunks. You see him in game one, getting some easy dunks. I think you have to dust off Kuminga for about 10 to 15 minutes uh, a game. And, and think about it, Nat. You're going to live with some of the defensive pitfalls, right? He's going to get lost on defense. He's going to get stuck on the screen. He's going to leave somebody open. It could kill you. I get it. Steve Kerr does not like that. Steve Kerr loves veterans. He loves playing his vets. But I think you got to stick with Kuminga in this series because he is one of the more athletic players 
on both rosters. Yes. Give him some run because he'll get you easy back baskets, which the Warriors struggled with late down the stretch. Everything was all hectic and hurried. They weren't getting easy shots. They so can't stop him. Memphis can't shot. stop him. And no, even and if they, him, it's, or it's a foul. So they can't stop foul. him. And like, he's been making the free throws, you know? He has. He has, he has so. been making the free throws. And I love him rolling off of that Draymond Green pick and roll when they're in the half court. He sets a screen for Dre. Dre starts to go downhill. And oh, there's Kuminga. He throws up for Alley Oop. That's an easy two. So I think Kuminga will see a little bit more playing time. Now, how much playing time he sees in the second half is all dependent on how he plays in the first half. half. If he plays well in the first half, he's going to see a lot more run in the second half. But I do think they'll dust off Jonathan Kuminga tomorrow night. What are you expecting the starting lineup to be now? Do you think they're just going to go with the, the, the death, the new death lineup, whatever it is? Yeah. Or, what, or do you think they're like... I'm, I don't I have no clue what direction Steve they're going to go. mentioned that he's not going to play the new death lineup about 25 minutes a game. And I don't think he should, because the one thing about the death lineup with Kevin Durant, they weren't really that small. Kevin right. Durant, seven foot with a long wingspan. Andre mm-hmm. Godala, six, eight with a long wingspan. Right. Trayvon Green has a long wingspan. Clay Thompson, long wingspan. So they weren't really small. They kind of reminded you of the Celtics of today, right? With Tatum and Brown and Smart. They got right. long dudes who are athletic. So this small lineup is really small with right. Draymond playing the five and you have Clay playing the four basically with Wiggins and Jordan Poole. So I don't think they'll start. I I could see how Porter Jr. starting at the four, which makes a lot of people cringe because of the way his shot has not been falling for the Golden State Warriors. I think Otto's been so good though. Yeah, he's been good. He's I, I got no complaints about Otto Porter Jr. Once that three ball starts falling, the Warriors would be that much more deadly. Yeah, I don't his think shot will come. Really yeah, I don't think we'll see Looney and Draymond in the starting lineup together. The spacing there could be an issue when both of them on the floor. But even in game two, I thought maybe Curry could uh, Curry could have dusted off Looney a little bit in the second half. He didn't see a second of playing time. In a grimy game, that was game number two. That was physical and nasty. I would at least play Looney to spell some of the smalls to get some size in there and just to give Draymond and Wiggins an extra blow. So the starting lineup to me, I... I don't really care about it, to be honest with you, not whoever starts, whatever. Yeah, it's I don't care who starts. It. I just don't know what direction yeah. he's going to go. You know, with Otto, to me, the thing that's so good about Otto is like, you got to respect his three. So he yeah. still provides some spacing out there. Um, but like, I mean, come on, he's been rebounding. He's just been like smart plays. He got them so many extra possessions between him and Andrew, which I'm so proud of Andrew. I feel like he's like a unsung hero, like in this series so far, but I mean, so I'm not that worried. Like auto shot will come at some point in this postseason. Otto's shot is going to return and he's going to be big for us. But I just like the fact that he's still making himself very valuable on the court, despite like not being able to shoot. I think he was one of the few players who had a positive Plus minus last hey, game. He, no, his plus minus was high last game. I want to say it was plus. I'm gonna look. Yeah, it was nine. something I'm like go that. Ahead and look it up, but but Otto's a career 40 percent three point shooter. He struggled since February 1st. There's no doubt he's been struggling. I think going into the series against the Memphis Grizzlies, he was like 13 of his last 50 in the regular season, and he only missed. He only made two threes against the Denver Nuggets. Three balls got to fall, but his hustle. And you brought up Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins has just been steady in the series. And now when you think about defending John Morant, it's probably going to be a lot more Andrew Wiggins guarding John Morant. Uh, so 
Right. Six, look, he's been crashing the glass, nine rebounds in game number two. He had nine rebounds against Denver in game one, a playoff career high for him. Wiggins has been fine. I, I, I'm not really worried about Wiggins. Would you like the shot to fall a little bit more? Absolutely. But I, I, I'm not worried about that. I, I still like the Warriors' chances. Again, in this series, I would not panic if I was a Warrior fan. I would like Andrew Wiggins to do that dunk again that he did. That's what I would love to see because yeah, no, that was vicious. That was, um, that was vicious. Otto was a plus 17. Plus 17. So he told in you the that. last game. Um, yeah, I mean, his his shot is going to come. I think, too, a lot of the, because, you know, Otto doesn't play back-to-backs in the regular season. And then, like, you know, his men, I think, I think maybe some of the, like, lack of consistency, which was about maintaining him, but I think some of the lack of consistency in his play may have, like, kind of hurt his rhythm on the season. So yeah. I think with the consistency in the postseason, I expect to see his shot come back. So I'm really not worried about Otto, but he's been great for us, I think. He's been solid. He's been solid. So you got Otto Porter Jr. You have, obviously, Iguodala on the shelf. I think we'll see a little more Kaminga. And Jordan Poole, you know, Jordan Poole will be better. So, again, it's top eight for the Golden State Warriors and how they play. It's just about staying in front of Ja and don't get caught up in the in the foul game. The foul game has been very, very inconsistent. And look, the referees are going to make bad calls. That's, I've been watching the NBA my entire life. Referees make bad calls. Ref, in my opinion, all refs stink. All right? All right. refs stink, in my opinion, whether it's football, baseball, umpires, uh, re- officials. They all stink. And they've gotten worse and worse and worse. So you got to live with the bad calls. But when it came down to it, the Warriors did have control of the game in their hands. They just didn't execute. So don't let Memphis fluster you offensively continue to take good shots because the ball's hopping around the control right. of the other aspects of the basketball game is just the three balls now falling so breathe easy make your threes and you should be able to handle this team here but look they're athletic they're cocky they're arrogant even their coach who called the referees arrogant a couple of weeks ago and said they were poor and he got fined all of a sudden dylan brooks does what he does and oh you know i trust the referees to make a good call yeah. Flustered. They're, they, they've never been here before. So treat them like they've never been here before. Right. What a second round, big, a big second round playoff game is all about. So the experience is on the Warriors side. They should be able, able to overcome GP2 and get past the series. Because I, trust me, I want this one. I've wanted Memphis for a long, long me time. Me too. Me and they're too. hitting the gritty during the first quarter and hitting the gritty on the sideline. And they're all dancing and feeling, you know, they're talking dynasty when they've never even been out the first round. I know. It's, it's, it's inc- Listen, it's incredible. And I don't say incredible in the positive sense. Um, <laughs> you know, the fouls have been excessive, though, because I think first it was in the first game, it was Steph and Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last game, Dre got into some foul trouble. Jordan had five. And I think it's really important, like particularly for Poole and, and mm-hmm. Steph, because the more time they spend on the court, the better. You have two shot creators out there. So we really need those two really not to be in trouble. And of course, Dre, but like, it's just, it's so important. So I hope they can like limit the fouls if possible. That would be really good. And I don't think, I mean, it's like Ja, if you breathe on him, he gets a foul. So, like, the kind of calls he's getting is, like, remarkable. But I would expect that they would not – he's not going to be getting all those calls and chase. No. So – Exactly. So. No, and, 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 again, it's the offense, Nat, because the offense is hurting the defense. As Draymond astutely pointed out at his presser earlier today, basically saying, look, man, our bad shots and turnovers 
is getting Memphis in the transition. So the Warriors offense has really let them down. You hold a team to 106 in today's NBA, you should win. But I am eager to see what type of schemes Curry and company cook up to defend John Moran. Are they going to go janky defense with boxing one or triangle and two? How are they going to go zone against John and this Memphis Grizzlies team that likes to shoot the three ball? I don't know what they do about John Morant. That's the head of the snake, and he's getting to wherever he needs to get to in the series. So, again, if they need 47 from John every game, they're not going to get that. They're right, and that's what I don't even know that you have to, like, just be a little smarter on John, but I don't think there has to be, like, an extreme focus in trying to, like, stop him, which is what the Wolves did, but all of the other guys on, on Memphis were able to get going, you know? So I kind of, like, if John wants to try to beat you by himself, he can. Make sure those other guys don't get going. We play the way that we normally play, and we win that game comfortably. Not just win it, but comfortably. So I agree with you. So do you think we're going to see any more, I don't think belly, but like um, Lee appearances? Do you think he might tap into JTA or anyone else? Because, you know, like I think you're fine going with the eight guys unless someone gets into foul trouble. But just knowing Kerr, I also don't see it. They've had three days off, right, before game three. You get, you get Wednesday, you get Thursday, you get Friday off. They had the entire day off Wednesday. Nobody came to practice. Day off, get away, get away from Dylan Brooks stuff, come back to shoot around Thursday, and then, of course, for today. Um, Damian Lee, look, I don't think the minutes killed you, but, I, you know, it's a tough situation. When your players get into foul trouble, what are you going to do, right? Right. What are you going to do? You got to dust off somebody. Somebody's got to play when Steph and Clay and GP2 has three fouls apiece. Somebody's got to play. You got to call somebody's number. They're all pros. So, you know, he's not playing Chris Chioza, right? He's playing Damian Lee. I can I can handle that for five minutes a game. Hopefully those five minutes don't get <laughs> me. I can handle that. I can live with Maybe that. Maybe JTA. I would like to see him JTA, try. JTA, he, he probably won't do it, but I honestly wouldn't mind him trying Moody either, to be honest. But I don't think he'll Moody hasn't him. played in so long that it's just tough to say, hey, Moody, you know, you're, you just became, you're the freshman of the year in the SEC. Go out here in the second round and go defend Ja. I don't think right. that's fair to Moody to just throw him into the fire like that. Then where's his confidence level on? However, seeing Jair Williams, another first-round pick from Stafford, help out the Grizzlies at home, Maybe it's advantageous for the Warriors to play a Moody at home at Chase Center where bench players feel a lot better. Damian Lee, I got to think, will feel a lot better at Chase Center. Right. JTA may feel a lot better at Chase Center. Also, JK, you're talking about, you brought up Delhi. This just isn't the series for me. Nemanja Bielitsa. And we saw that the last three games against Denver. First two games were great for Bielitsa. Played mm-hmm. very well off the yeah. bench. We use those Since words then, those words differently. Hey, you <laughs> you know, say like, great. Hey, hey, I don't, hey. but okay. He, he played. He played good basketball. Not very great. good in game played, two, played, and I say played, confident in game one. But yeah, okay, very solid off the bench. Played his role. Didn't kill the Warriors. Last three games, we saw the two games in Denver. The boogeyman ate him up for lunch. There's no doubt. The boogeyman had his way against Bielitsa. So I don't think this is a, this is a series we're going to see Bielitsa at all unless there's an emergency and Looney and Draymond get into foul trouble. Then Steve's going to have no choice but to play Belly. But here's the thing with Belly. I'm sure the Grizzlies would hunt him on defense, which would be would drive every Warrior fan crazy because we know how Belly is off those pick and rolls. You know my He's not fleet of foot. He's not fleet of foot there. <laughs> 
but Memphis doesn't have guys who know how to post them up. So I'm happy about that. I look, Kerr's going to go with his top eight. If you don't get in a foul trouble, we're not going to see other those ancillary. Okay. So you think he'll stick to the eight? I do. I do. Okay. But Steve Kerr, you never know. He does love, he loves going deep into the rotation early in the game. I've seen the guy play 10 dudes in the first quarter. You never know. <laughs> Steve Kerr He's played 10 dudes in the first quarter alone. So I don't, you know, it, it, look, when it comes down to these playoff games, Nat, we know what it is. It comes down to your star players, Steph, Clay, Poole, and Draymond. How will they execute alongside Andrew Wiggins down the stretch here if the game is close? Now, hopefully the game isn't close, as you mentioned. You know, Denver, the first two games, Warriors outscored the Nuggets by 21 in the second and the third quarter in both games, one and two. And it was a blowout. We were chilling on the fourth quarter. I got a funny feeling that it's not going to be the case in this series. So put your seatbelt on, man, because it's going to be a roller coaster yeah, ride. No, I, think, I think we can get a couple of blowouts. They should. I mean, these games are close right now with the Warriors playing so below their level. And if it was like Memphis, I would give them the credit. When I say give them the credit, like if it was just their defense being elite right. and doing it, I would be like, but like if the Warriors just play their normal level, these games are not close. So <laughs> You know, they're going to be in chase. I expect them to play to their level. And I mean, Steph is disgusted with himself. Like, did you see that shot? The one that he banked in, which wasn't like, he was like upset. He banked it in. He he was not happy about that. Clay's not happy about his performance. They're not happy. The Warriors, look, during that five-year run when they made the NBA Finals five straight years, I think they hated losing more than they liked winning. Yeah. They expected to win, but when they lost, oh my lord, they were not happy. Even the 73 and 9 team, oh, they were disgusted when they lost those nine games. Same thing with this team. As long as you got Curry, Clay, and Dre on this team, the championship nucleus and what's been built in with this culture, they're not happy about losing. So I expect no. them to And they're not like they're up. marksmen. So they're not happy right. when their free throws aren't going in when they're shot because they're like, this is what I'm paid to do, this is what I right. do well. So I, you know, I, there needs to be at least one blowout. I, 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 three needs to be a blowout. And then I think game four will be closed just because Memphis would like, you know, it'll be desperate. Right. But it, they need to win these next two games. You know, I originally said Warriors and six, that was my initial call. But I said, if the Warriors play to the level, their level, there's a path to five. And what I said was they win game one. Memphis takes game two, they win at home in three and four, and then you go back to Memphis for like a a fight. And maybe Memphis wins or they don't, but like that was the only path I saw really to them winning in five. I never thought it would be a sweep. So, but I was like, you know, they don't win in Memphis, they come back and close it out at home and chase. So yeah, no, I I I had dubs in six originally. Um, I still think they'll win in six. Yeah. Although I could see the Warriors going back to Memphis in game five and doing what championship teams do and say, you know what? We got a chance to eliminate you. Let's go ahead and knock you out. Let's go right. do it right now. So when we do travel back to the Bay Area for game number five, we're going back to the Bay to chill and wait on the Suns and the Mavericks. Especially if that Sun series doesn't end up being close. Because if they right. see that, like, the Suns are going to end early and get right. to finish their series at home chilling right. and just watching and taking notes, they're not going to like that. So I think also whatever's happening that other series can kind of dictate in a way, what happens in this series. Yeah, I think the Warriors, they look, they just want to handle their business. They want to get back to the conference finals after missing the playoffs for two straight seasons and remind everybody that the Warriors aren't dead. 
The two championship window is still open and they have reinforcements with some young studs, Jordan Poole. Still open. Can you say that again? Because yeah, I saw the craziest tweet the other oh, day, like the Warriors <laughs> better beat Memphis this year because they're listen, never going to beat them again. Like listen, what? Listen, that. Bobby, why do people say things like this? And this listen, is like an NBA account. Listen, like a Twitter. Twitter. No, but this was like a media person. I'm not going to say who's the like, what is that? I'm done getting outraged over Twitter. I'm done. I I can't do it because there's a lot of idiots out there. I call them twitiots. All right. They're straight (laughs) up twitiots. All right. They're they're twitiots straight up. They will say anything. I was in the barbershop earlier today and a guy said, a guy told me, he was a Rockets fan. He said, Steph Curry is a Hall of Fame role player. He says, Steph Curry's never carried. And I almost walked out the barbershop. So this is what we're dealing with, Nat. We got people who cannot, st- they hate Curry so much that he's a glorified role player in a lot of their minds. He, all he can do is shoot. All he can do is shoot. And I'm just like, you don't remember the Kevin Durant dunks in game one of the 2017 <laughs> finals when the lane parted like the Red Sea because of Steph Curry petrifying the Cleveland Cavaliers once he crossed half court? But like, Steph just closed out the Denver series. It was no. him because Poole, didn't have his best like two games those finals and then if you watch this last game Steph has been putting on a master class at the rim how do you watch him because his his three isn't falling right but he's putting on a master class at the rim so and he hit like a couple of middies so how are people watching I will never understand Steph is Steph's finishing is so underrated to me it makes no sense um oh damn it I lost my thought because I wanted to ask you something um, you know, I just, I don't get, you know, th- I know what I was going to say. I don't understand how Chris Paul, when the Suns go out there and play, Chris Paul has one of these games and all I see is point God, and he's still doing it at this age. And Chris Paul is how many years older than Steph? So 37, <laughs> they're, they're watching Chris Paul do this right now. And yet all I keep hearing is, well, Steph's going to be 30. What? Like. Chris Paul is playing at a high level right now. So why do you all think the Warriors are done next year or this is their last year? Like, why do we go through this exercise every year? Well, this is the silly part about all of this, Nat, is that when you think about Steph Curry and how deadly he is off the ball, yeah, off the ball, not too many NBA players can do what Steph Curry does off the ball. Look, Russell Westbrook cannot play off the ball. James Harden cannot play off the ball. Stephen Curry can, and now he has Jordan Poole who can be a playmaker and create wide open threes for him in yesteryear. So when he is 36, when he is 37, he won't be the primary playmaker. He'll lose a step here or there, but that shot is going nowhere. So that's going to extend his career having a Jordan Poole. So he's going to age gracefully. His game is going to age gracefully. I think that's so evident. I don't yeah, understand but, why know, that's unclear. So, so and right now, he's basketball. still good on the ball. Yeah, and no doubt. He's great on like, the ball. He's one of the best players in isolation. Like, I don't know why people think he's still right now getting more points per possession than Ja in isolation. He just doesn't do it as much. And I just... It's really, it's just always interesting to me how people look at this team, how they talk about Steph. I just, I was a little surprised when I saw that tweet because of who it came from, but we better beat the Grizzlies this year because we'll never beat them again. I mean, that people think something like that is 
wild to me, Bonte. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of wild takes out there when it comes to basketball, all right? That there's is true. a lot of wild takes out there. There's a lot of idiots out there who say things and, and, and they tweet things for click and shock value. You know, like, you know, there's people who out there who think the Warriors should trade clay. Now, in a league that values shooting more so than anything, and they value spacing more so than anything, why would you trade one of the best three-point shooters this league has ever seen? Right. That makes zero sense. Oh, well, you got Jordan Poole coming. There's no room. No, there's room for Clay, Jordan Poole, yeah. and Steph because Clay is transitioning into a small forward. His lower body is still strong. He can still play solid defense in the post. Yeah. Right now in space, he's struggling a bit. Guy had played 941 days. He's right. coming back off of the Achilles tendon. So yeah. he's not going to be there right away. It's going to take him time. Yeah, to get you know, back. I expect next year for Clay to have a much better defensive season. He'll be fine. He'll be um, fine. So, you know, it's just, Nat, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of pollution out there. I don't even think people understand what they're watching half the time. So I ignore it all. Have you seen some of Dre's latest podcasts or at least caught the highlights from them? I have. I have. So what have you thought about? So he he talks about the, the flagrant on him, like right after he went and recorded right after that game. And he alluded to the fact that that was probably a large part of the call reputational. Do you mm. agree with him? Oh, absolutely. It was a reputation flagrant. Flagrant too. I'm in the room. At the studio with Darrell Wright and Chris Moon, the two guys who played this game. One's a Hall of Famer. One won the championship with the Miami Heat and been around great players, Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal, Gary Payton. We were debating whether or not it was a flagrant one. Right. <laughs> when he ran around the court like he was Stone Cold Steve Austin in the WWE Monday Night Raw and he's, flip, and he's out there cheering on him. I said, wait a minute, they're kicking him out? So there's no doubt it was a reputation uh, yeah, and most it. of the NBA players seem to agree like that yeah. it was a one. Like they were tweeting, they were talking about it. So um, I agree too, but I was just curious to know what you oh, thought yeah. about that. Oh, it was a joke of a flagrant too. It was a joke. It was a reputation foul. Reputation foul. They popped Draymond Green. I've seen a lot worse. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys get less for doing a lot worse. Hell, Dylan Brooks, think about this. I want you to think about this. Think about this. Draymond Green now has two points for flagrant two for game number one, getting kicked out, where he held up Brandon Clark. Dylan Brooks has the same amount of flagrant points despite any Gary Payton the second season. I know. And clubbing him in the head and not making a play on the basketball. Three minutes into a basketball game, and yet they have the same amount of flagrant points. That, to me, is not right. That's no. not right at all. Insanity. It's insanity. Um... He also, you know, like this was like not specifically related to the Warriors, but um, this mad dog guy, whatever his name is, who, like comes on TV yeah. yeah, and telling him like just basically shut up and, and dribble for yeah. that may have not been his exact words, but that was the sentiment. Shut up and play. They're yeah, there you things. go. There you go. And <laughs> Dre touched on it. Right. Um, and so they've been having like a little, you know, or he Trey's been tweeting at him a little bit and going at him. Um, what I mean, just what are your thoughts on like just this? Because this is kind of new, right? With like Dre doing this podcast while playing. I mean, JJ um, Reddick 
did it too but like he was kind of not as uh near the end of his career he was kind of like not as big of a player as Dre is in terms of like Dre's like a key police on the Warriors like he's in the middle of a run right now and he's ending games and going home and recording podcasts he has like this media role with TNT so I mean it's it's sort of unconventional and it's new and it's like what do you think about that I mean like he's going back and forth with this guy in the media and I'm glad he is because I did not like those comments that that man made but like what are your thoughts on that like what maybe where this may be going now for like other players well, first of all, Draymond Green is one of the more articulate players that we have in the game. The guy's smart. He's astute. Uh, he makes great points. He loves the game. Uh, you learn something every time he speaks. You know, whether or not we're like, oh, man, Dre, you should focus maybe more on your three-point shot and not do this. But you know what? Players deserve a platform. You know, when you, when I hear shut up and play, that's, you know, this is the same guy, Chris Mandel Russo, who say, you know, there's not too many black people qualified to host a radio show. I'm a black guy. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, and right. you look at the landscape, you're like, man, there's not too many guys like us, you know, that look like us. So first of we all- We all understood the racial understanding. We understand. We, we heard it right away. Mm-hmm. And the fact that JJ Reddick had to speak up on it and not the other guy sitting across from Yeah, that, uh, I was like, why is this? I don't understand why this is happening, but- Yeah, I, I, but whatever, we, we'll move on. We'll yeah. Move on. I got no problem with Draymond doing a podcast. I got no problem with them doing TNT. As long as he's giving me maximum effort on the basketball court and he's doing what the Warriors are paying him to do, which is play solid defense, be a communicator, facilitate uh, offensively and find Steph and build that rapport with Jordan Poole. I got no problem with him because all this podcast has been insightful and hell, it creates content for my show. He's always saying something. He's always saying something, whether it's controversial or not. It's always like, well, Draymond's going to say something. That's who he is. I think it does open up an athlete for, for, for athletes to speak up on their behalf because who am I to say I'm doing a radio show and I'm ripping Draymond Green, for example, right? Oh man, Draymond can't shoot. He didn't do this right. I'm not qualified enough to, really speak about what he does on the basketball court. They know they're playing right. at a higher level. I could maybe right. criticize here and there like, oh, I thought they should have played this guy more or been a little more, you know, as long as you're professional and critiquing these guys, it's all good. But some of these dudes, they go a little overboard and start getting personal. Shut up and play. America doesn't want to hear from you. Well, I'm living in America. I want to hear this podcast. I right, exactly. Podcast. Which so, America you know, exactly do you mean doesn't want to hear from him? Right, you what know? America, yeah, exactly. So I know what America he was talking about. Exactly. So it is, I got no problem with Draymond doing a podcast, man. As long as it doesn't affect his effort on the floor and the Warriors obviously are not tripping about it, then I'm cool with it. He's still playing at a high, high level. And he's coming back from a back injury. I keep thinking like, damn. What is that back going to go off? But this dude played back-to-backs on two straight weekends to end the regular season. Now, he, he can do what he wants to do. He's right. a jack. He's going to the Hall of Fame. As long as he's handling his business on the floor, I don't care what he does off the floor. And this podcast is really good. So keep doing it, Draymond. What I, you mentioned something when you were just talking, but um, about his connection with Poole. Like, that's been like a... I feel like a un, maybe not so under the radar, but it's been like a really great development for the squad because they awesome. have like chemistry. And no, it's been awesome. And Steph, again, why everybody says, oh man, it was a blessing to disguise that Steph missed the last 12 regular season games. That reported Poole and Draymond was able to build during that time. 
it's going to help them moving forward in this postseason and next season and a year after when they're growing older and Jordan Poole is getting older and more mature with this game and becoming the star that he is. So I love that. I love that connection with the two of them. They understand each other. They understand the tendencies and they both can play off of each other. It's a great development, Matt. Where, where, do, what are you, where are you seeing the, and I, I never like to do this because I don't like to limit anyone's ceiling, but what do you think is like the ceiling for like Jordan Poole or how far, like what are the heights he can bring this team to? Because I think it might be higher than they even originally thought, like, you yeah. know, on the Warriors. And look, I'd be lying if I said I saw this in Jordan Poole. I thought even last year when he was in finishing lineups and he came back from the G League, the average nearly 15 points per game, I said, okay, I got a nice solid role player coming off the bench who may give you 15 on any given night. Great. This guy's a bona fide star. And, you know, Carlos Ramirez, who works over in NBC Sports Bay Area, last year tweeted at me. He was like, you know, Bonte, he reminds me of a right-handed Manu Ginobili. He's freaky. He's got a crazy handle. He's a three-level scorer. He can go to the rack. And I was like, huh. That's I don't an interesting that. comparison. It's yeah. an interesting comparison. But when you think about Manu's game, he was quirky. He got through small spaces. He split double teams. He had a crazy handle and a crazy first step. Had a sick little crossover. Manu Ginobili was underrated because he always came off the bench. Right. He's a Hall of Fame player and he's a champion. I think this guy can be a Manu Ginobili 2.0, but the ceiling, this guy yeah, can score I mean, 25 a game. Like a, I think of him as like a Steph Kyrie hybrid, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. I, see, I don't want to put that pressure on him. I'm not trying to put the pressure those, on him. I, I hear what you're but saying. I mean, in terms of the qualities. elements of his game. Yeah. Yeah. No, he has those qualities that sky's the limit for this guy because he can make plays. He could drop dimes. He makes plays for others. And he can get his three ball off. He can get any shot that he wants. They just walked into a bona fide superstar with the 29th pick in, in the 2019 NBA draft. Like, I go at it with Jason Jones from The Athletic. Oh, you've already called him a superstar. Okay, superstar. Look, Steph, Clay, you know, Steph, uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron, yo, all those guys are like, in my opinion, and nobody ever uses this term, but they're megastars. They're right. untouchable, right? Then you got your stars. You right. got your, 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 your buddy stars in like Jason Tatum, mm -hmm. Jalen Brown. Giannis yeah. is a megastar to be. He's a worldwide right. Jordan has a chance to be an all-star, a perennial all-star. Yeah. And he's doing it on the stage. I feel like this is our OKC Harden situation. I really do. Wow. Except yeah, that no, we're going to be no. smart and not let him go. But no, 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 do, 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 yeah, do I mean, that's companies? what I think, you Matt, know? Matt, the Brinks truck is already out for Jordan Poole. Yeah. He's not <laughs> going anywhere. So all these people said, oh, you got to play pool. How are you going to? Joe Lacob will pay the tax, the luxury tax, as long as the Warriors are winning. Some yeah. people say it's not sustainable. Warriors are raking in money at Chase Center with the concert, exactly. March Madness, <laughs> and Warriors playoff games. They will be just fine. They will pay pool. Now, what it means for other players on the roster, who knows? The offseason will come soon enough, and we'll talk all about it. But uh, Poole's going to get paid. He's going to be a warrior for a long time, and the sky's the limit. This guy could be an all-time great. Him and Kaminga as our two young guys coming up. And then Moody looks to be a solid role guy, too. I mean, woo, and, the and you know, I will say this right now on the show because, you know, I mean, I'm probably more critical of Kerr than I am at the actual front office, but... Right. Like, 
we have to look their plan won out for the most part and i still don't think like they did everything perfectly but like they said like they are not going to trade for like a player unless they were getting back like a bona fide like superstar top 10 player if not they were going to develop their talent and lo and behold like think of all the names people talked about ben simmons bradley beal miles turner none of those guys were even playing they all got injured and hurt silly so the ben simmons thing i said the only way if if and i said this on my show first of all the tweets out there, I wouldn't trade Wiggins straight up for Ben Simmons. Yeah, said I would summer, not I high on the Ben Simmons so, thing. So, so the Ben Simmons thing, I said, the, if if the Warriors really want to do it, the only way you trade for Ben Simmons is if you're ready to trade Draymond Green, because they're basically the same player, you know. And but Draymond has heart, you know. That's the difference. You can't take his heart away. Ben Simmons doesn't have any heart. He doesn't. Draymond Green, I will go to war with him seven days a week and twice on Sunday. This guy's a junkyard dog, and he's a champion. Again, a champion. The guy has championship DNA. He's a junkyard dog. He would do what he has to do to help his team win. So really it was all preposterous for the Bradley Beal, the Ben Simmons. I didn't want the Warriors to do anything because here's how I thought about the offseason. The Warriors were 39 and 33 last season. All right. Steph missed eight games. There were what two and six in those games, or they missed nine games. They were like two and seven in those games, right? There were 39 and 33, a couple games behind the Blazers, who are a five seed. That they're right. a five seed. So Steph plays in those games. They're a top five team in the Western Conference. And we're talking about something completely different. And they're a top five team without Clay Thompson, without right. James Wiseman playing the final half of the season. Right. So, uh, look, I, I thought the same as you, and I think many no. fans did too. So I think like for people who were so surprised about the Warriors this year, I don't think we were surprised because we right. knew what this team could be. Um, yeah, the, our future is looking bright. Like we, no. like those two years were definitely like, obviously not fully enjoyable, but mm. the future is looking bright and I, like you got to just give credit to the, you know, to the front office. Um, so very quickly, I want you just to tell me your predictions really quickly. So right. um, I know what you think for this series. I know you think that the Suns are going to win that. How many games do you think that series is going? I think it's going five. Uh, okay. Dallas, they can't match up with them. Luca's barbecue chicken. They hunted him all day in the fourth quarter. And they're turning to Dallas Mavericks. Did you see Jason's kids comments? What did he say? He, what He's he like, said Luca has to participate. <laughs> Indeed. He does. <laughs> but I just thought it was an interesting way for a coach to basically he's, say that. He's not lying. He's not lying. No, he's it was real. Defense. And, you know, the Phoenix Suns have done a great job in turning the Mavericks into a one-dimensional team where they're like, oh, Luca, go ahead and cook. We're going to shut everybody else down. So that's going to be a five-game series. Okay, so five. All right, and then let's take it to the East. So who you got, Celtics or Bucks? I lean Bucks because they're the champs, but I think it's a seven-game series. It's a seven-game series, and and honestly, like it, it's a 50-50 series. I got the Celtics in seven, but yeah, and, I, and I, leaning I, on I, home court, I, and I think I think that Middleton loss is gonna matter. Yeah, you know what? I think as the series goes and moves along, I, I'm kind of like I'm gonna take the Bucks because they're the defending champs, and personally, I don't want to see the Celtics advance because I know I'm like you, they're the harder team. Yeah, yeah, the Celtics are tough, but 
the middle 10 loss is going to loom large deep the deeper the series gets into because I don't know if Grayson Allen has another game like he did in game one in him. I don't know if Pat Connaughton continue to, can continue to do what he did in game number one against his tough Celtics defense. Uh, Bobby Portis, I like him as a weapon, but Giannis has to get going. He has to be more efficient. And give the Celtics credit, man. They've really flustered Giannis Antetokounmpo, even though he's getting his numbers, but the efficiency isn't there. I'm going to still lean Bucks in seven, but again, I, I can see the Boston, I can see the Celtics winning this series in seven as well. Because I don't know if there's been any updates since we've been talking, but Embiid's trying to play tonight. He's cleared protocols. I don't know if he will, but I feel like because they didn't steal any games in Miami, like if they don't, if he doesn't play tonight and the Sixers don't win, they're just like done. Like they have yeah. no chance, yeah. um, which is really unfortunate because of the year he had. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't know how long he was going to be out. So originally I just, said Sixers in like seven because I was like maybe he'll come back by like game two or three and you know I just always tend to lean the team with the best player in the series but this injury seems to be maybe worse than I thought so I don't know it probably is going to be the heat that will win yeah I, I got Miami in this series I have them advancing and you know what they're dark horse finals team nobody's even talking about them I know they have a lot of pieces that you can adapt to a lot of different lineups, man. Miami is sneaky, sneaky good. Um, They haven't even, Dustin Robinson, Duncan Robinson, who can't do anything off the dribble. (laughs) But look, you still got him not even playing, and he's a lockdown, knockdown three-point shooter. Tyler Hero's great. Jimmy Butler's getting buckets. Uh, They got a nice team in Miami. I still, even with Embiid, I have Miami winning in seven. Now without Embiid, I'm going to just move forward and think that Embiid doesn't play. I got the heat in five. Okay. So tell me, I'm going to ask you two final questions. Tell me the, the finals matchup you want to see, and then tell me what you think the finals matchup is actually going to be. Uh, if you I, have to make a prediction. And it might, it might be the same two teams. Well, I want it to be uh, the Golden State Warriors in Miami Heat to get a chance to go to Southeast Miami. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> go out there and get some sunshine. I, yeah. You know, go down to Southeast Miami. Uh, I love that. <laughs> but... But I do think Phoenix is tough, but the Warriors match up well with Phoenix. I'm going to go Warriors. I'm going to go Warriors and Bucks. It's going to be Warriors and Bucks. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, my reason, but you know, until you just said that, and I'm definitely one of those people who aren't giving the Heat their full credit because, you know, my family's in Florida. So, like, a Miami finals wouldn't be the worst thing for me. It'd be a lot easier for me to get to Miami than come back out to the Bay right now. So I would like that. And I would also like Boston because that's a four hour drive from me (laughs) and I actually love games. So I would, and, but it's Boston is also the one that I want. And I, even though I think that would be such a tough defense for us, I just think that would be an incredible series. Whenever we play the Celtics in the regular season, those games are incredible. Yeah, they Um, are in Boston or, or the Bay area. Exactly. They just, I think they offer the best entertainment value. So that's the one that I want. I'd be okay with the heat. I least want the bucks just cause I'm not going out there. And um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I know it's Giannis, but like right. the bucks just don't do anything for me as a team. Yeah. I don't enjoy I watching you. them. I'm not moved by them. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. No, it's whatever happens. This is going to, this has been a fascinating playoff so far. These semifinal matchups are, are awesome they're juicy uh especially boston milwaukee and the warriors and the grizzlies 
And we'll see if Dallas has any fight tonight. We'll see if Philly has any fight. But the conference finals are going to be on fire. It's going yeah, to be they are. Are. So I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about this Grizzlies Warriors series moving forward. How are they going to slow down Ja? And once Clay and Steph start cooking, what is that crowd going to be like inside of for Jason? Sure. Will it be deafening? Will they be? Will well, we you've been there for a couple of games now. So has it been when they've gotten going? Well, I know a lot of people complain about game five against Denver. The flow was awful. There was a foul every other play. The Denver Nuggets shot 20 free throws in the first half. So as a as a fan, you want to get into it, but there's a lot of stoppages. So you're like, uh, what, I'm going to yell during all the stoppages? Right. No. But once the Warriors started cooking in the second half, that crowd got up. They got loud. It's not Oracle Arena yet. It takes time. But I think it is there. Uh, the, the acoustics are great. Once it gets loud in there, it's like, Oh, I'm getting Oracle vibes. I'm getting playoff vibes. So okay. I'm expecting this crowd to be, look, it's the Bay Area. There's still a lot of people from Oakland going into that arena. There's a lot of people from the East Bay going inside of Chase Center. How do I know? Because they always come up to me and say, oh, I'm from Richmond. I'm from Oakland. I'm from Alameda. Cool. So some of the same fan base, and now some of the diehards have been priced out. But that was the case the last three, four years at Oracle Arena. Right. A lot of fans were priced out. So that's what happens with championship teams. Ticket prices go up. People can't afford the tickets and you got to watch at home, which is not a bad deal. I watch the Dubs at home all the time. Half the time I prefer to watch the games at right. home. Yeah. You know? So um, I expect this crowd to be rocking and rolling tomorrow, especially after what happened in Gary Payton second. So y'all heard Bonte, make sure y'all get your behinds out there and go yeah. bring, you know, bring the energy for, for our squad. Um, by the way, I love your, your hoodie. I love it. Oh, hey, yeah. Shout out to uh, Gunna Goes Global. Gunna Goes Global came up with these hoodies. Check them out. A local rapper out here. He's doing his thing. Very dope. Gunna Goes Global, the Bay. We got everything. We got all the cities on the back of this hoodie. There. Love it. Love it. You know, we rep the Bay out here. That's what we Love do. it. I typically, I, as you know, I'm not from the Bay, but I'm still a huge Warriors fan, and I'm so thankful that y'all have embraced me. Um, so <laughs> I normally wear some Warriors gear or something on, but I didn't have it today. So I just wore my, my little earrings. I saw that. I noticed that. you see that? that? I noticed that. <laughs> I see that. You're very well observant. Played. Good job. Well Bonte. played. Well played. Very perceptive over here. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking oh. with me. I appreciate your time and all your knowledge. Really. I'm so, so thankful to you. Uh, it was a lot of fun Nat. you've been on Twitter for, I've been following you for a long time now, man. And you <laughs> go after it, man. You do not let people talk about your Golden State Warriors. So you represent Dub Nation. You're a writer from the Dubs. So I appreciate it, man. And we all love Dub Nation fans, man. They, they say we're front running fans, but you know what? Whatever. They're just not part of the movement. That's all. No, they're not. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. All Good right. Time. So you got, I mean, listen, you're Bonte. So everyone knows you. I doubt there is a single person who um follows yeah. me who doesn't know who you are. But if that is somehow possible, make sure you are following <laughs> and listening to Bonte. Because like, woo, he just continues to be on the come up. So I know more big things are coming. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I love being in the Bay. This is my home. Of course. Uh, I'm up here, grew up loving these teams, the Niners, the Giants, the Warriors. I'm a Bay kid. A lot of people say, oh, man, are you going to go do this? Go do that. I love where I'm at right now. I host a morning show in the market I grew up in. I'm able to do the pre and post game, which is an honor to work alongside Chris Mullen and Festus Azealia, my main man, Darrell Wright. Like, we're having a lot of fun. Kareth Burke and Grant Liffman, Monty Poole. I'm just like, 
you know, seven years ago, I was on the outside looking in. So right. be able to work with them and, and represent Dub Nation and make sure that Dub Nation is getting represented the right way. It's it's truly flattering. So, you know, all the love that Dub Nation shows me, I truly appreciate it. You guys are happy. You guys accepted me. Um, and so it's always fun to talk Dub Hoops, man, with anybody out there. So thanks for having me on that. Thank you. All right, guys. Until next time, take care.